Titus chapter number 3. On Wednesday nights, we've been talking about doctrine, and we've been talking about doctrine for a long time. You say, does doctrine matter? Yes, doctrine matters. And one of the big problems we have today in churches is the fact that no one talks about doctrine anymore. And you see, the Bible talks about that the closer we get to the Lord coming, that people are going to be tossed to and fro with every different doctrine out there. And the issue is because people don't know what they believe and why they believe it. And we need to make sure, what do we believe and why do we believe it? You don't just believe something because I tell you to believe it. You, why do we believe it? Because the Bible tells us. And we follow the word of God and the truth from God's word. And we last, two weeks ago, because Brother Young was here last week, two weeks ago, I was di- I'm diving in deeper into what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And then I got to daily and what he does in our lives personally. And I decided to stop there and I'm going to break down each and every point I was going to make. And so a word like regeneration, you see a word like that, and you might know what it means or you might not know what it means tonight. But when we look tonight at the scriptures and we see how the Holy Spirit and how regeneration works, it will be a blessing to you and your faith. So if you're there with me in Titus chapter number 3, look down at verse number 3 with me. Does anyone need an out? Everyone got an outline? Everyone good to go? Anyone else need an outline? All right, anybody? You're probably already using that to play tic-tac-toe or to draw and doodle during the service. Titus 3, verse number 3. For we ourselves all were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Well, sometimes I think we forget where we, where we come from. I think, doesn't the scriptures talk about remembering from whence we're fallen? It does us good to remember who we are. We look at this world, and we get so frustrated with the sinners of this world when we were right there. And now the fact that we can say no to sin because of Christ, we still sin. So it's even worse for us if you really think about it. But look at what that next word says in verse number four. I told you one of my favorite words in the Bible is the word but. But after that, just think about that for a minute. We're foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice, envying, hateful, and hating one another. But after that, after all of that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. That's powerful. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. By the washing, look at this, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of life or of, of eternal life. We look back up there at verse number four, and after where we are at, it says, The kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. And we see the fact that salvation has nothing to do with you and I and what we do. You know, we could talk all night, well, I got saved. You didn't do the work to get saved. 
God did the work, didn't he? You're dead. These trees up here are dead. You can't get this tree to grow. It's dead. Dead things don't grow. Dead things don't have faith. And so tonight as we dive in for a little bit of time, I want you to see this passage of Scripture, and I want to break this down. Hopefully by the end tonight you'll see what regeneration is all about understand a little bit better. As we look right away at this verse, we see in verse 5, they're not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Reminds me of what the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 8 through 8 and 9. It says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I want to remind you again tonight that our salvation is a gift from God. And God doesn't take his gift away that he gives us. It's a gift from God. Say, well, what is the gift? Look here. Look at that verse. It's right there on the screen for you. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So I think you could very easily say, what is the gift of God? Grace and faith. That's why I love the song is well with my soul. I love that last verse where it says, when the faith shall be made sight. Because it's not my faith, right? Because I'm dead. Faith is a gift from God that he gives to us. The fact that God speaks to a dead man and we get convicted. Think on that for a few minutes and how powerful that is. But salvation is Christ and Christ alone. We think more in that area. We think about the fact that who keeps us saved has nothing to do with you and I. Philippians 1, verse number 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Who's going to perform it? God's going to. We see that here in this passage here. The work of salvation started by God, and it will be completed by God. Not by our efforts or what we do. Because our righteousness is as filthy rags. And I don't know if you realize that doesn't change. When God looks at Brian, the saved Brian, he doesn't see Brian's goodness. Because Brian's goodness still never measures up. He sees the righteousness of Christ, the imputed righteousness that was given to me. And so we see these facts. The Bible tells us in Jude verse 24, and I love how it says there, Jude 1, 24. There's only one chapter, so it's Jude verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That word keep here, it means to keep from being snatched away or to guard from being lost or perished. That's where some people, they get this idea, you can lose your salvation. You didn't give yourself salvation to begin with. So how can you lose something that doesn't even belong to you, you did anything for? The Bible says he keeps us from falling. Aren't you grateful for that tonight? I'm grateful for that. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 1, verse number 12, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. God will keep that which has been entrusted to him. What's been entrusted to him? Our faith has, right? The faith that's there. And God will keep it from being snatched away or stolen away. 
And so as we talk about this tonight and we look at the doctrine of regeneration, what I want you to remember is that as we talk about this and we think about this, it's all about God and what he's done. You literally, do you want to know what part you had in your salvation? Yes or no? That's, all, that's what you did. You had yes or no. God did everything. You can't speak to something that's dead, but somehow God does. And thank God for that. As we look here tonight, and as we think about these things, we realize that God's the author of salvation. He's the instigator or the implementer of our salvation. And he's the keeper of our salvation. And he's the finisher of our salvation. And when we talk about regeneration and talk about it, I put in your notes there, regeneration, or really referring to the new birth. Remember how Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again? That's what regeneration is. So regeneration, I put this in your notes there, a, a definition here. Regeneration or the new birth is a work of God's grace whereby believers become new creatures in Christ. It is a change of heart wrought by the Holy Spirit through conviction of sin, to which the sinner responds in repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what regeneration is. If you want it simpler than that, that's a paragraph almost. Simpler. Put it on the bottom shelf for us. Regeneration is God making a person spiritually alive, a new creation, as a result of faith in Christ. So when we talk about that, and as I said, it's a short Bible study tonight, Next week, it will be a longer one, okay? We're going to talk about adoption next week and the Holy Spirit and how adoption works. But tonight, we're looking at regeneration because we just read here in our text, it said, by the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost. What does, so we have two definitions. What does regeneration really look like? Put it a little simpler for us. Well, number one, it starts out with our indifference to the gospel. None of us just entered this world saying, what must I do to be saved? Or I want to do what's right. No, you have to teach your kids how to do what's right. You know, you don't have to, you think about this. I never had to teach my kids, all right, I'm going to show you how to be selfish tonight, okay? This is a rare trait that some people have, and I want to show you how to be selfish tonight. No, they're naturally selfish. I never had to say, William, let's sit down I need to teach you how to be disobedient to me, okay? This is how you be disobedient. No, it's natural to be disobedient. What do I have to do? William, you need to say yes and be obedient. I have to teach obedience. Why? Because it's natural to sin. And that's, that's what happens, our sin nature. And so in all reality, we're not searching for God. We, we don't need him. We don't need the gospel. But we got to understand something that happens and what takes place. This is where we all start because in our unsafe condition, we don't get the things of God. Second Corinthians chapter, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, But the natural man, that's the unsaved man, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You and I cannot pick up and understand what God's trying to say in his word without being saved. That we need the spirit alive in us for this to take place. 
So as we look at this, you got to understand, in our lost state, we don't really care about Jesus. We don't, and this is what happens. There are some people, and we'll talk about this in a minute, circumstances or things happen in life, and they start searching for Jesus. That does happen. But that's a work of God's grace right there, that we even search for Jesus. Because the natural man doesn't receive the spiritual things. That's why you look at our world, and sometimes we look and how could they be so stupid? And that's a, I know some people don't like that word. And I try not to use it with kids in the room, but it's, just look at the dumb things that people do. And then they look at us and they're like, they're so dumb, going to church all the time, doing the things that they do, and they think the same things about us that we think about them. Why? Because they don't get the spiritual things. They are blind to it. They're na- the natural, they don't get it. And so as we look at this and we think about this, a lost person really doesn't care about the things of God. That's why our world, that's why our world says just push God out of everything. Because they don't care about God. They don't realize the impact God has on a society. I don't know if you're realizing this. Just look, open your eyes and look around our world today. Look at them, and some, I'm not that old. I'm only 37. Some of you that grew up in the 50s and 60s. The unsaved people of the 50s and 60s have better morals than a lot of Christians in 2023. You know that's true. Look at the difference, too, between a TV show in the 50s and 60s compared to a TV show in 2023. And you you know what the big difference is? We've taken God and we're just pushing him out. The world doesn't want, they don't get it. And as you push God out of a society, you have men doing things that are not natural and women doing things that are not natural. And the thinking and the thoughts of man get worse because you're taking morality, you're taking God and saying no. You wonder why our kids are such a mess today? You can't pray in school anymore a big reason right there because we're pushing God out but this world doesn't get the damage it's doing the sad thing is Christians know what damage it's doing and Christians will stand on the side and not say a word and let everyone else say whatever they want to are you afraid of getting a strike on YouTube I know the second one's coming before too long Lost people simply don't care about God. And so as we think about regeneration, we think about the indifference to the gospel. But number two, we think about the sudden interest in spiritual things. There comes a point where there's interest in spiritual things. It happened for each one of us in this room. There's a lot of time that went on in your life where you didn't care about this stuff. Now I think about, and I could go into a story about my father-in-law wanting to have a bible study at his and growing up catholic and the growth and the and then getting saved and the change that took place in his life he wasn't always searching for something different there was something that sparked that at some point 
because we start out spiritually indifferent. You know, John, it could have been that you were, it was, you met Debbie and you needed that, or, you know, Russ, you're dating a pastor's daughter. You didn't care about the Lord, but you need, you know, you had to get that figured out. I don't know. But we start out indifferent, but there comes a point where there's an interest in spiritual things. And so God uses things to stir our hearts. It could be a tragedy. Like Rebecca, you mentioned earlier, that tragedy that you talked about. God used that tragedy to work on your heart for your need for salvation. There are things that before that time, and you were young, it's not like you were thinking seriously about all these things every minute, but you didn't really think about these things, but then this, this happens, and now, whoa, this, my eternity matters. Do you see how that, what I'm talking about there? Maybe, I don't know what the case is. Maybe someone from a church invited you. Maybe someone knocked on your door, and you were not seeking God or anything else, and someone knocked on your door and said, hey, I just want to tell you about Jesus. And it changed your life. I heard, um, you know, the other day there's that movie that came out about the Jesus revolution and things, and whatever you think about all that stuff. But, um, there was a guy that God used for, and Greg, Greg Laurie, pastor of Harvest. And I don't, might not say I would agree with everything that he does. He does, he is a good soul winner. I believe in that. And God used a hippie in a, in a park for him, giving the gospel to get to his heart. God used stro- awful things in his life to get his attention. And that happens at times. Because we're indifferent, and something happens. There's some interest that comes, and God does this. I think about what the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 16, and how Paul was here, and we think, look what the Bible tells us in Acts 16, verse 14. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart, look at what it says here. This is what the Bible says. Whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things that were spoken of Paul. You see, the Lord opened her heart. There were things that happened that opened her up to the gospel. And God uses things. Now, she still could have rejected this if she wanted to, but she doesn't. We see those things. But as we look here, we see the fact that we enter life indifferent. And there's a lot of times we're indifferent towards the gospel. And then all of a sudden, there's an interest from somewhere. You know, you can look at the Ethiopian eunuch. There's a great example of that. I don't know how old he was by this time, but there had to have been some sort of interest in the Word of God. They started reading the book of Isaiah. And then what takes place? Philip comes, and then we see later on what takes place. So what happens is how regeneration looks, trying to simplify it for us, is we're indifferent to the gospel, and then suddenly... There's something inside of us. There's some interest in spiritual things. But a dead person shouldn't have interest in spiritual things, right? Which leads to point number three. The Spirit begins to illuminate our need. Now, when I say that, and we think about that, as God, as the Word of, and for me, for me, my spiritual curiosity, I grew up in church. That's all I ever knew. You know, literally from like three weeks old, I'm in the nursery, 
You know, the big fights I got into as a kid was probably beating some other kid in the nursery, or they beat me. I remember one time my mom was upset because I had scratches all over my face from another kid in nursery. I don't know why they scratched me. I was always a nice kid, and uh, I don't know what it was. I was always in church, but just because you're always in church doesn't mean you have a spiritual mind towards things. It didn't. I was in church a long time, and I, I gave the story on Sunday talking about my salvation. I'm seven years old. And I just, I'm going to church. I wasn't really searching for anything spiritual. I was told I got saved when I was younger. I was being a bad boy, and my mom sat me down and led me to the Lord. I remember bits and pieces of that. And what Chris failed to tell you was, you know, the first time he got saved, I'm the one who led him to the Lord. Under his bed, he, he had a crib. He, he was like six years old and in a crib. I don't know why he was in a crib so long. And back in those days, he would not sleep. And even at four or five, whatever the case may be. And he, they had this motor underneath there that vibrated the mat to keep, it made noise. And it, that's why he's got the brain damage and why he is the way he is today. It was that little motor thing. But literally, I remember telling him about Jesus, and I'm like, you're a bad kid, and you need Jesus. And I remember sharing all that. He doesn't, re- you don't even remember any of that. Doesn't remember any of that. But um, I also see Rachel's doing good sleeping right there. If you ever... Just go online. People do this all the time. Just go online and on YouTube, pull up a sermon of mine. Your kids are going to go to sleep. And so I, don't, I wonder if it would work with Caitlin. And Christopher's still awake, though. I see that there, buddy. But as I mentioned, when I was seven years old, they, the, the Sunday school teacher that day went through the story of the prodigal son. And all of a sudden, something sparked interest there, like, Something's not, and this is what got me. The words he said, he said, I don't care if your mom or dad say you're saved. Do you know that you're saved? And it was like, whoa. At seven, I'm like, something, there's something here. There was an interest. It got me. And from that, and through that story, the Spirit of God showed me my need for Jesus. Through the word of God, I saw that I was a sinner on my way to hell and that I needed Jesus. And how can a dead man figure that out? The spirit of God is the one who regenerates us. He's the one who does the work in there. Now, as we think about this, and as we look a little closer here, you know, no matter how good I could ever be, I was never going to be good enough. But inside of us, and humanly speaking, we think that we can be good enough. That's why some people, they have a hard time trusting Christ because they think they, there's, I have to do something. And you don't realize Christ already did it. That's what's so different about salvation from everything else. But as we look at this regeneration, it starts out with our indifference to the gospel. And then there's this sudden interest in spiritual things, which leads to the fact that the Spirit begins to illuminate our need. And we go back to our text in verse number 3. It talks about the fact there that for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient. For someone to get saved, they got to know and realize that they're a sinner. It takes time. I mentioned last week, Matthew, for the longest time, didn't think he was a sinner. Alyssa would say, Dad, Matthew needs to get saved. Like, you're telling me, I know he needs to get saved. I, he's just like his mother. I don't know why he does the things he does. 
And, uh, and she was like, Dad, you need a witness. He needs to get saved. I'm like, just, just relax, Alyssa. And so I just always ask, Matthew, are you a sinner? Nope. What is sin? Not me. And so one day I asked that question. He's like, yeah, I'm a sinner. I'm like, well, what does that mean? That, he's like, that's when I do things I shouldn't do. It clicked. That's what happens with the Spirit of God. We don't know our way to heaven. We don't know anything. And all of a sudden, and we're not really searching for it, but there's something that sparks our interest from God. And he begins to work. And the Bible says how he draws us. The scriptures talk about that. And he begins, the spiritual thing begins and then the verses, the word of God, illumin- and we're like, wow, something, I didn't know this before. Why is it taking so, why didn't I know this? And then that leads to number four, a decision to be made. When a person comes to that moment of decision where they acknowledge they're lost, and realize there's only one thing they can do, trust Christ and Him alone for salvation, then that one person is saved and born again. Regenerated. That's what regeneration is. So, just think with me for a second. The fact that we are indifferent to the gospel, and the fact that something from, this, from God sparks that interest in us, and then the Spirit of God illuminates it, and we make that choice for Christ. That's what it's all about. And when that happens, we see what the Spirit does. We see, first of all, letter A, we see the rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit happens at salvation. Verse number 5 of our text says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Spirit. And not only does that happen, but letter B, we see the fact that the Holy Spirit is poured out on us through Jesus Christ our Savior. You see that in verse number 6. It says, which he shed on us, the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly. How? How do we get the Spirit of God to do this in us? Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And what he did on the cross is how that works. Which leads to letter C. The fact that we are justified by his grace. And I've talked about justification in depth and went through a whole study. If you aren't sure what the word justification means... Go back and listen to that message on justification, and it will help you there. And then we see, letter D, the fact that they become heirs having hope of eternal life. That's what God does for us. So what is regeneration? It's when you get saved. You become, what does it say in Second Corinthians 5, 17? It says, um, wow. My mind just went just like yours did earlier, Rebecca. I was thinking, man, yesterday I went to the mayor's prayer breakfast here in Chino Hills. There's like 750 people there. And sometimes I feel like that thing's so political. They had Daryl Strawberry there yesterday. And Daryl Strawberry 
pastor. He's a born Christian. And he, um, it was kind of, so they had some, a few worship songs and things, and almost everybody sat down that whole time. And there's all sorts of different people there. And it, I feel like it's a pretty political thing. But then Daryl Strawberry got up, and they introduced him, and everyone in the room all I okay, I'll be honest, I didn't stand. I didn't stand during the worship time. I'm not going to stand for a man right after that. That's just me. Most of the room stood up. And he's like, it's amazing to me that you'll stand up for a baseball player, but you wouldn't stand up for the worship of Jesus a minute ago. That was his words out of his mouth. And he gave, he, some people I know wanted to hear his story of battling cocaine and what happened in his life. But he talked about the fact that he went to jail. And a few years ago, or probably about 10 or 15, when his mom passed away, they found her journal. And in her journal, she said, I pray for Daryl that God would knock him off his high horse and that he would get saved. And literally, goes from World Series championships to cocaine to in jail and almost losing it all. And he got saved. He gave a great, powerful sermon on salvation. And I know there were people there that weren't saved. I don't think they gave him the liberty to give an invitation. A friend of mine that I know was sitting at our table, he had the closing prayer. And I turned to him before he was getting ready to go up over there. I'm like, just so you know, Daryl just filled the bases up. You need to hit him home. And he literally, for the next 10 minutes, gave an invitation. And there were several people that trusted Christ yesterday. That if you would have stuck to the plan, it never would have happened. But when the Spirit of God does something, and the Spirit of God, when he, the day you got saved, he makes you a new creature. That old nature is still there. You're going to battle that old nature as long as you live this life. But when you get saved, you are a new creature in Christ. You are born again. Your spirit is alive and life is different. That's what regeneration is. And that's what the Holy Ghost does in our lives. Father.